Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Ever Ag Podcast. It is just about, well, it is the last full week of May 2021. Uh, this is going to be our last podcast for May before we roll into June next week. And with me, I have Mr. Matt Gould uh, here to talk about different things that people have called me about. And instead of me calling Matt, I calling the producer and telling them we're going to have Matt on here to tell the story himself. So Matt, we appreciate you being here. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm excited for what we're going to dive into today. Absolutely. So hitting on that, Matt, I've had a lot of dairy producers we'll talk about first. I've had a lot of dairy producers call and say, we've read Matt's monthly forecast. We've watched Matt talk about his monthly forecast with Fletch on Everag uh, TV. What is he, number one, seeing going forward? Because I think you've got, if I'm not mistaken from the last one, you've still got class three and class four up into the $20 19 to 20 dollar price range. Yeah. Now I think a big part of that of was a heavier feed cost of even last week which we've kind of fallen apart on grains along with dairy as of late. So hitting on that, do you want to talk about feed cost first Matt or do you want to dive into what you're seeing July through D's? Yeah, I mean we can we can talk about feed costs and I think that naturally kind of gets to a discussion on on what the heck is milk supply going to do and you know not just in the US but globally um, and then and then maybe move on and talk about you know what that means for the next 6 or 12 or 18 months. Okay. So, um, I guess kicking off with with feed costs. I mean we've had we've had a pretty volatile May. I mean, I don't know what the corn prices are now a dollar or, or more off their highs. Yep. Uh, soybean prices and soybean meal prices have all come down. And, uh, you know, it, it's not just, you know, it's not just grains, right? Lumber and, and uh, metals and and Bitcoin, right? We're all, yeah. they've all been volatile. And in the last month, they've also all been lower. So, uh, you know, most recently, maybe you throw the cheese market into that mix. Right. No, exactly. And as you and I are talking right now, I mean, if we look at cheese, it, it got wild. It's pretty good on the CME again today. Uh, June's down. June class three is down 60 cents. Uh, June, July class three is limit down to 75 cents. So even from when you and I had set up this podcast to talk to now, things have just been getting demolished. And I think a lot of people, especially today, I guess, Matt, have called in and said, hey, is Matt still bullish July through Dece or what is going on? That's been probably the most phone calls I've fielded yet on this Monday morning. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, well, okay. Well, so the first thing I want to touch on is, is well, what is, you know, corn at $7 plus is different than corn at $5. And in my, in my forecast, I had, you know, I had been estimating that, that corn prices would, would, come off, you know, that's what I built into my models. So, you know, this isn't going to necessarily change dramatically my forecast, but it is, it is going to shift the risk profile of my forecast. So when we think about $7 corn, you'd have to, you have to go back to periods like 2014 to find comparables. And in that, you know, in that time period, you're talking cheese at say 220, right? And you're talking, you're talking non-fat above two bucks, you know, you know, that's that's what seven dollar corn means compared to, say, a year ago. Seven dollar corn means uh, feed costs that are up four or five dollars a hundred weight. 
So now that we've had this most recent move down, instead of $7 corn, now we're talking more like $5 corn-ish. And instead of talking, say, the potential for $2 nonfat, which I never had in my forecast, we're talking about nonfat at you know, $1.50, $1.40, which is really where my current forecast is. So when you think about about how how those grain prices or how when I think about how those grain prices have changed my outlook, it makes the likelihood of, of a severe price increase uh, much less, uh, you know, than say where we sat a month ago. For sure. Now, I think a big thing to think about, we have fallen apart recently, um, mainly because in grains of the report that came out, what, two Wednesdays ago? I think it was now. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks are saying, okay, we've got a lot of summer yet ahead of us that are, you know, the weather forecasts are calling for a dry, dry summer in a majority of the United States. Now, you and I both know that this can change, I mean, day to day, week to week. But the fact that corn has fallen back to 540, 560, if we rally back to seven bucks, you know, do you still feel like class three and class four are going to have to potentially catch up? to that to help out with these feed prices before they get any wider. If we, you know, so, so let's, let's kind of do a couple, you know, three scenarios. If we go way higher on feed, feed prices, like if we go back to that seven bucks, that makes a likelihood of a 22 or 23 or $24 milk price a lot higher than it, than, uh, than $5 corn does. Mm-hmm. Now, if we go a lot lower and if five, if our five, you know, mid fives corn became mid fours corn, that probably takes where we currently have prices, milk prices and says they're a little high. Now, if we have feed prices where they are at currently versus my forecast milk prices of 19, 20 bucks, they're about in the right range, you know, at least, at least based on historical price price differences. So, you know, we, at the moment with this step lower in feed costs, you know, it makes a likelihood of extremely high milk prices of, of, of $2 plus nonfat of $2, you know, two twenty plus cheese of two fifty plus butter, you know, it makes that less, much less likely. So from what I hear you saying, Matt, and there's always going to be two sides to the story. I have folks that I talk to that are, Hey, the higher that corn and soybeans go, dairy products have to follow. Like they are just going to because of the laws of of inflation, the laws of averages, costs going up. There are going to be people on the other side that said corn and beans can go to $7 corn and $16 soybean. It does not mean that dairy has to follow along. From what I hear you saying, you're more on the side of, hey, it's probably going to have to follow along a little bit and keep pace to a certain degree. So I, I think about it really in terms of specifically on the milk supply. Is uh, $7 corn going to dry up the milk supply in, in Wisconsin? No. Will it dry up the milk supply in California and, you know, Arizona in these class four heavy areas? Yes. Yes, it will. You know, those those areas, uh, because they've been getting paid class four, haven't been able are, are, are unable to sustain that kind of margin pressure. So, you know, that's kind of the way that, that I think about it is that the last year we had this big divergence of class three and class four prices that made some parts of the country much better off financially than others mm-hmm. and made some parts of the country much more at risk of, of contracting due to negative margins than others. So what does $5 corn mean? It means that the milk supply is going to be a bit heavier than I had previously thought in the West. Uh, just because you're, you know, we don't have the the three or four dollar hundred weight losses that seven dollar corn, where class four prices are today, uh, you know, what 
that, that we would have. But don't you have to be cognizant as, as a producer of the recent volatility that we've seen in all markets to say, okay, corn can be $5 today. In two weeks or three weeks for that matter, it might be seven fifty again. Are you going to try to now plan for that and, and put that in your budget as a, as a big what if? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think you make a good point that volatility is uh, at historical highs just about everywhere. And so, you know, what items can you put into your pro formas and your budgets and be confident that they're going to be, you know, that in the end that we're going to be close to that. And with grain prices and, and just about everything else swinging as, as hard as it is, I think the only things that you can put in your pro formas right now and depend on is pre-bought feed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, just the movements that we're seeing make make the at least the the cost side of the equation. You know, it's it's moving. I mean, when you see dollar movements in corn, just like it's nothing. I mean, it took two weeks for that to happen. You know, it really is kind of a it's a it's a very different environment than the last five years where we didn't have anything like that. So, switching gears a little bit, talking about a different environment that we haven't seen, I'd say, in the past two years, uh, labor costs. Labor costs across the United States, shortage of people wanting to do these jobs is what we'll call it. Not shortage of jobs, right? Just shortage of yep. people wanting to, to get out there and do some of this stuff. What are you seeing for labor costs across the country as far as what you have to pay incoming new employees, but also the employees that have been there for 5, 10, 15 years, getting them to stay? Yeah, well, so you have you have certain states that have passed minimum wage laws, California, New York, uh, state of Washington, and and that that was raising uh, costs, you know, labor costs. But now we have the current labor predicament, which, frankly, there's a, a shortage of of relatively low skilled labor, and everyone's feeling it. I mean, uh, the trucking companies are feeling it. Dairy farms are feeling it. You can go buy a McDonald's or a Culver's or a Wendy's. And, you know, whether you're in New York or Pennsylvania or Michigan or Wisconsin, you're going to see, you know, minimum wages that they're offering of 15, 16, 17 bucks. So, you know, the the increase in uh, wages is very real. I think, you know, you and I went back and forth on this uh, and I, I called producers that I work with and I estimate that compared to a year ago, labor costs are up something like 25 cents a hundredweight. So if we kind of put that in in the, the scheme of things, my, you know, we're talking about feed costs up, say, $3 a hundredweight, uh, some, you know, depending on how much you pre-bought, and then you have labor costs up another, say, 25 cents a hundredweight. So we are seeing a meaningful increase in cost of production. If, if last year's break-even were 1550, you know, we're still talking break-evens of 1850-ish this year in comparison. Yeah, break evens of eighteen fifty, and it's kind of tough if you're like you had mentioned earlier. If you're a class four state, maybe get, not getting uh, as much of that juice as other states, it's going to be a tough go over here pretty soon. Yeah, so that's, we're, I mean, we're already yeah, but so that's that's exactly to my point about uh, you know we're talking about the impact of well, what does seven dollar corn mean? Is that if you're in one of those states that are that are getting paid class four prices, you know, and you're already losing a couple bucks a hundredweight in, in trying to roll through it. You know, if if you have feed costs go up another dollar fifty or two bucks, well then, you know, then it, that will just expedite you know the consolidation in those areas. Well, let's touch on well, what what's going to happen next. 
you know, or at least the outlook for the next six, call it six months. My latest forecast has kind of two big themes. One is we're talking about milk prices of 19 or 20 bucks a hundredweight. And when we talk about break-evens of 18, 50, 19 bucks, you can see how you arrive at that conclusion, I think, rather, rather quickly. Uh, the second, you know, besides besides what would be historically elevated milk prices, is that we're also talking about a convergence between class three and class four. And, you know, after going through a long period of time where those got really far apart, that is news and that is different. And it also means that anyone who's had real negative PPDs, that that's going to those are going to become positive again. And I think actually probably uh, June will be the first you know real positive. Awesome. PPD month. That's great to hear. Cause I think that's what has driven a lot of these questions, I think, has been the PPD question. When people don't want to come out and say it, they just say, hey, Matt's forecasting this. Uh, we're super excited. And tell us your logic. Go. <laughs> so I, I greatly appreciate you doing that, Matt. And I know they do also. That, that, that's awesome. Do you see any like huge revisions? And I know with the volatility, it's going to be a little bit different. But do you see any like nasty big revisions coming in your monthly forecast coming up here soon? No, I don't think so. I mean, even even this cheese price drop, I had forecasted most of it in my in my last forecast between the government stopping buying and the ramp up of production. So I wouldn't exactly say this cheese move is, is a surprise to me. You can go back and look in the forecast and see it. So the, the, the big question that I think everyone has is, can we still have a $1.90 cheese? And I think the answer to that is still yes. And the reason why is because, you know, the rest of the world is behind the U.S. in reopening. And so those exports and the export markets are going to continue to be quite good. And if you look at our competitors, Europe and, or in New Zealand, they're already there. So I, I think there's been a lot of questions on the cheese part of my forecast. Are there others? No, no, I would say the cheese threes and then butter, you know, for the class four was, was the biggest comparison. But as you know, we had Spain Hauer on last Tuesday after GDT, and he pretty much alluded to the same thing that you just said. You know, our prices, and this was last Tuesday when we were another, what, five, 10 cents higher than this. We're still 35 cents lower than the EU. The exports should be flooding out of this country once they get the problems in the ports figured out. Okay, now now you drop it down to a $1.60, $1.55 cheese how much more gets pushed out to your point of get product out of the country. So at the back half of this year, July to Dece, a dollar 90 cheese is feasible. Yeah. Is a dollar 90 cheese feasible in June? Probably not. No, no, but you know, we are talking the second half of the year. So for sure. Awesome. Well, Matt, um, I know you got other things coming up, like a cold storage report that everybody's kind of waiting for this afternoon. So we will let you go. Uh, but with that, everybody, if you have any questions or comments for Matt, Paige is going to drop our contact information in the description. Uh, that's going to be the best way to get a hold of either Matt or I, and uh, we can answer them as we go. So with that, I appreciate you being on, Matt. And we're going to have to have you on more often as people call in uh, flooding with questions. Yeah, thanks, Cody. I, and uh, I also appreciate all the questions filtered through you. <laughs> we can do that too. <laughs> <laughs>